Welcome, welcome to the On Track Podcast, July 20th, 2021. Uh, Emily Tadlock's in here with me. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Howdy, howdy. So we've got a guest this week, Chris Milton from Milton Cat. I uh, really appreciate Chris stopping in to the podcast studio A here to, to uh, give us some history on Caterpillar, on Milton Cat. And uh, also with him was Gib Gagnon, one of his, uh, one of his leaders in his company. And, uh, so uh, we're going to talk to them in a little bit. Got a safety topic with Herb Sargent because <laughs> because Cam is otherwise uh, occupied this morning. So uh, I decided I'd go ahead and take that. Um, and it's going to be working around overhead lines. Something yep. that quite a few of our crews are doing. Uh, yeah, a lot of them, yeah. yeah. Uh, we got shout-outs. We got the prices right. The price of a four-way, 10-foot, half-inch cable with a hook loop on, and a hook on the opposite end. Woohoo. We got we got a question for me? We do have one question okay. for you. Um got one announcement, I believe, and uh to talk about winning bids last week. We did not pick up any work last week. Uh that does not mean the estimators aren't in there working their tails off. Uh I guess one thing you all ought to know is is our hit rate on picking up work is about fifteen percent. Wow. So out of out of a hundred bids that we put in, generally speaking, we pick up about 15. Yeah. So uh, that can be a little little discouraging when you're an estimator, uh, but uh, they're working. I, I know we got some big things on the horizon. So with that, we're going to move on to the main topic. Chris Milton from Milton Cat. Welcome, Chris. Thank you, Herb. And Gib Gagnon from Milton Cat also. Thank you, Herb. And just real quick, I guess, if, if, uh, if you could just give us a brief introduction Sure. Uh, uh, it just kind of like a one-minute career. Yeah, one-minute career. So coincidentally, I went to Bowdoin College, um, which is not terribly far from here. <laughs> no. I grew up in southern, southern New Hampshire and went to high school in Mass. Had aspirations of being a hockey player and found out I wasn't quite that good. <laughs> I was a high school player. Um, but went to Bowdoin, graduated in 1982. And um, my father, my grandfather, actually worked for CAP way back in the day, and then ultimately uh, the roots of who we are started as Jordan Milk Machinery, and we uh, started in New Hampshire, Vermont in 1960. In 1982, um, Arnold Machinery, who was the dealer here yeah. in, in Maine, uh, my father bought him out, or bought the Arnolds out, and and, and started business in Maine in, in May 1982, and I graduated in June 1982 and went to work for my dad. Yeah. So my career is thirty nine years. Thirty nine years. Yeah. So that um, that Arnold Machinery location was actually now it's like a what is it U-Haul now I think in in Bangor. Yeah, and, and, and I you guys actually relocated over to Brewer. Yeah, and I actually worked in that facility in nineteen eighty four. My dad said I had to go work in a branch to learn what working in a yeah, branch there you was. Go. And, and <laughs> the I ground was, up, Chris. That's I was you go. I was scared that I was going that far north, but <laughs> ended up ended up having a, a really a wonderful time and really learned a lot about the forestry industry, which is obviously a big component sure. of, uh, of business in in Maine. Um, 
Yeah, and it's been a long ride. I mean, so so 1982 started. I've been to every position up to you know CEO today. But yep. um, and over the over the years, we have subsequently acquired the dealer Mass Rhode Island Eastern New York in 1991 and 2004 acquired the rest of um, upstate and western New York. So today we're in uh, all New England except for Connecticut and all New York except for the city in Long Island. Oh, so it's been a great wow. ride. Been a great Growing ride. fast. So, yeah. Gib, uh, you've been you've been with the company a while too. I have. Um, I started with the company in '86. Uh, I'm a main boy. I started in. Uh, <laughs> I grew up in Arista County. Um, mm, those so potatoes. For, so for yeah, <laughs> for me it wasn't too far off. Um, but I uh, started with Chris in '86. Um, started in the sales department. Uh, really worked throughout the territory. Um, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, and ended up in New York. Um, I live in Saratoga Springs, New York today. Um, and uh, Nice I'm country a, up there. It is. And um, so I've been in New York since 89, excuse me, 90, 98, I'm sorry. And um, just recently, the last two years, um, became vice president of machine sales for Chris. And, and that's the role I play today. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, Thanks for coming up and being on this. As Absolutely. I've been really been looking forward to this. As have we. So uh, just a brief history of CAT. Like, we don't have to go from from the first track machine all the way to the hydraulic excavator, but just, like, how did it get started? Yeah, and as we talked briefly before the podcast. So I, there's two names, Holt and Best. Um, were two families, and one was from central Illinois, which is Peoria, which is really the roots of cat, but the other was from California. And I don't know all the facts of how they, they got together, but primarily looking at a machine for the agricultural business, which is big in central Illinois and, and California. Sure. And the dozer um, became the first products that they, that, they, that they developed, and I think that the name Caterpillar comes from the undercarriage. Um, which and it was, was literally at that time more of an agricultural tractor. Correct. Correct. They didn't have a blade on front of first. They did not have a <laughs> blade on at first, and and they were pulling plows. And, right. Um, mm-hmm. And and so that that's the roots, and they quickly located in Peoria, Illinois, which is as people who know Cat until recently, I'm, I'm not sure people even are aware of it, but maybe four years ago they actually relocated the headquarters from Peoria to just north of Chicago. Oh really? I didn't um, know that. And I, 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 you know, it, it, it really is in conjunction with being a global company and the access of people, sure. yeah. people right. from around the world getting to Peoria, Illinois, is not necessarily the easiest yeah. thing. <laughs> so, so, that, so, that, so I had fun. the opportunity to go to Peoria about twenty-one years ago, right? And I got sitting in front of you here, the uh, the gold D eleven that your VP of track type tractors gave my grandfather. Yep, he was ninety-five years old. Awesome. When we went on that trip out wow. there. And uh, I remember you had a young lady named, or they did, they had a young lady named Mindy that came out and she gave him a big hug. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, uh, Mr. Sergeant, there's a, there's a golf course, you know, it's like, I don't know, a hundred acres under one roof. Uh, can we can get a golf course, golf cart for you if you'd like? And he said, no, nah, these young fellows might want one, but <laughs> and that, that was me, Alan Vigu and, yep. and Kevin Gordon from our company. Awesome. And, uh, so he, at 95 years old, he hoofed around that whole facility. Good for him. And, uh, I think it was a year or two after that, uh, he was at his, his last con expo. 
Okay. And trying to keep up with him at one of those things. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> that was unbelievable. So you talked a little bit about the, the Milton Cat history and some of the things you've done. Um, and I, I know we've got, when I first started in the career, uh, it was still Arnold Machinery. Yep. And it was r- right about that time. What year did you say you folks 1982. Uh, yeah, so uh, it was right about the time that I started full-time. It was 83 that yep. uh, Arnold kind of disappeared and the Southworth Milton thing showed up. Right. And uh, I was a little confused. I didn't know what – but I wasn't dealing with the equipment dealers. I was just working in the field. But uh, So the the more recent history, you, you mentioned you've had a lot of expansion – uh, well, so acquisitions. And- yeah, so and and maybe more think about Catapult World in North America. But um, when I started in 1982, coincidentally, there was over a hundred dealers, and today it's just over 40. And who you said 40? 40. Yes. Yeah. And 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 who we are today? When I started, was um, we are today with six different dealers. Um, through three three of those acquisitions are ours. In other cases, it was another acquisition, and then we subsequently acquired dealers. So, you know, the whole world it's it's a function of the the capital required. You know, the bigger the rental fleets and inventories uh, that we have today, but dealers have been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and and that's just you know that's not that's not only true of us. Um, it's true of. Uh, you know that's that's true of all the catapult dealers, and I'm, and I'm sure a lot of other equipment dealers. Um, I can you know I I'll share I share with you that um, we hit a billion dollars in revenue for the first time in 2019, and you know it, but the same thing's going on across the U.S. We were one of 15 dealers to hit the billion dollar mark. So, so a lot of this growing brings a lot of tension, stress. Uh, you know, you unearth things that you you didn't foresee. I'm I'm guessing. Sure. Uh, so, what are the, what are the big challenges of, of non-pandemic challenges? Yeah. So of of growth. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's uh, <laughs> you know it's it's really funny. There, there was uh, maybe not directly answering the question, but I about 20 years ago I found a a, a drawer in my parents' um, house with financial statements from the very beginning years. In the early 60s, the first four or five years. In the first year, they did $2 million in revenue and made $30,000. Yeah. And I just happened to know the history, but they had 19 employees. And they were they had two stories, and, and, and this is part of the, the Milton Cat lore, but the original shop in, in Concord, New Hampshire, was a dirt floor. And, and you know, so as as, as you've grown over the years, and, and we, we see it in our relationship as a dealer with Caterpillar, you know, Caterpillar is a large corporation, and um, very, very large. Yeah, and we always think of it, but but you watch the way Cat operates, and and as we're growing, we're having to do the same things. You're having to have this process. You have to follow process. You know, you know, people talk about Big Father looking over everything, everything you do, and and that. You know that that's maybe the frustrating part of of being in a large corporation versus a small corporation. But when you look at it from the perspective of how do you operate and move quickly as a large corporation, you have to have all these processes throughout the organization. Because agility, agility is very important, or you can't move fast. Right. And and so we're going through those phases, and right now we're in a phase of of developing a lot of, um, and I know we talked about your, your training initiatives and goals, you know, we're, we're going through the same thing. We're creating a learning and development organization 
for the whole for the whole organization. Um, we just brought on a VP of HR. Happens to come from National Grid. You know, he's yeah. he's experienced with with uh, you know twenty thousand person corporation. So he's bringing a lot of change into Milton Cat uh, that we need. You know, we're yeah. over, we're over a thousand employees now, and and um, so it's all these changes with respect to communication, with respect to people. It's that that's where those are the big challenges of growth. So if I'm if I'm a guy and I'm out running a Cat 336 or a Cat D5 uh, dozer, uh, what changes in Milton Cat are they likely to see? Well, I, I, you know, certainly, certainly, probably the biggest one that our customers are seeing is technology, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's it's technology embedded in the machine, and maybe maybe Gib who's you know, can can talk a little bit about this what we call next gen product, but there's rapid advancement of technology embedded in the machines. We all see that. We see that in everything in life. We see it in our right. automobiles. Uh, certainly, the technology, machine control and guidance technology, which is really driving productivity. Uh, that's it. Um, but technology in every every way, technology on the machine that talks to us. The 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 device is called Product Link for us. But it gives us, you know, product health. So, so we have the ability in Milford, Mass, our headquarters, to to basically connect with all the machines that yeah. have this electronic device on it, and we can see, you know, fuel, you know, fuel utilization, hour hours, you know, product health. How many all, times it swung? Yeah, and, and at all, what RPM? All, all that stuff is playing a role in the product support element mm-hmm. of, of that product. So. Really, from A to Z, um, but maybe let me just ask Gib to talk a little bit about next gen product. Yeah, I, I think the big thing in next gen and what you're going to see and continue to see with Caterpillar products is you're going to hear the term next gen, and for for us, next gen is really um, stripping away any key model lettering. For example. You're not going to see 320Ls and 320Zs and all yep. these. I mean, the letter change typically was um, an indicator for a model change that had significant change in the right. makeup of the machine. Today, with next gen, most of those changes are technology changes, software changes. So you could literally have a 320 that's five years old and do upgrades technology-wise with software and literally have a current model other than the wear and tear of undercarriage, other, yeah. other than the iron. But, but typically, Caterpillar's design criteria is very, very high in ours anyway. The structural integrity of a Caterpillar product is generally very, very good so and very, very high in our, uh, in, from an engineering standpoint. So that wasn't really m- any too much of the concern from Caterpillar's perspective. It's just staying ahead of the game from a technology perspective. Do you have 2D embedded? You know, uh, do you have 3D embedded? Can can we upgrade and give you um, the technology on swing, for example, um, for geofencing and tight areas and all these kinds of things? That's what you're seeing as you see these product um, enhancements come. It's going to be mainly, and we're seeing it today, it's going to be mainly uh, software. Yeah, so that's... You know, I, I can remember uh, you guys both knew Dick Cadigan quite sure. well, I'm sure, and, and he was a salesman for me when I first started business. Dick Caterpillar, we used to call Dick him. Caterpillar, right? <laughs> and and uh, so he, I remember we were looking at a, I think it was a D5H, 
And uh, he said, well, Herb, I want you to wait for the Series 2. And But that's the way Dick was, right? right. He, he wanted – and I said, well, what's the difference? Well, it was the, the push arm pins or, you know, another two millimeters in diameter. He knew every stinking detail right. about those machines. Uh, but, but what you're saying, and I, th- I think the, the major mechanical – uh, changes have have maybe gotten to the point where the juice for for major mechanical changes, major uh, setup changes, the juice isn't really worth the squeeze. The, sque- the juice is really in the technology and mm-hmm. and how they get used. So you still have to, as you said, uh, take care of the undercarriages. You have to you know make sure you don't have a broken stick or or you don't have. Uh, uh, cylinders that are scratched, scored, and all that stuff. So the mechanical stuff still has to be taken care of. But right. yeah, and I think the mechanical integrity is even um, even better today because the technology is providing buffer zones, if you will, for um, an instance where damage could possibly happen ten years ago won't happen today because yeah. the brains of the of the equipment are telling the machine not to do certain things. Yeah, so, and- so it's just the it's just it's um, that's really where the enhancements are. I think you know from to add to add a couple couple points is you know down the you know it's starting to happen, but the, I think the evolution is you're going to see sensors and components, and and that's going to give us an understanding of of when components are starting to fail you know, yeah. a- ahead of time. So obviously you want to you want to be able to do these repairs before failure. So in components you mean in like component, final drives, transmissions, sh- engines, sure pumps. Yeah. Um undercarriage. And, but and then the other thing what that Gibbs saying is in the in the past we might be 5 years before cat would update go to a new series of a a wheel loader excavator right. or whatever. Um what you're going to see is much more like the automotive world which I think I've always watched. I think we follow the automotive world in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're 15 years behind them in, in how they go to business and how they how they do business. But um, every year you're going to see changes in product. It's not going to be as significant as you would see with a new series, mm-hmm. where you'd wait for five years and then they come out with it. And it's going to be largely technology driven. Mm-hmm. Yep. But they're going to be, you know, they're going to there's going to be a continuous evolution of the product pro- product. But as Gibbs said. Because it's going to be mostly software changes, we have the ability to upgrade the product, even though it's five years old, to make it almost like new. Yeah. So I guess you know that discussion brings to brings to mind to me. What do you see for permanent changes uh, in the industry that are related to the pandemic? In the let, let me talk maybe about Milton Cat. Um, Certainly, and it's just interesting. I'm I'm yeah. part of a group of dealers we call Dealer Twelve, and and coincidentally, three of them are outside the U.S. One guy's uh, Rio, he's got two thirds of Brazil. One guy's a dealer in Australia, and also Vietnam. And one guy is Colombia. And but it, the interesting thing is, we meet every six months, and we share financials. We share a lot of a lot of best practices and, and stuff like that. It's very interesting, uh, particularly the international component to that. Um, but one of the things, and this will be a surprise to nobody, and this is, you see this in the business news all, 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 all the time, but the amount of, um, you know, this no travel during the pandemic and the financial impact of that has been kind of significant that, you know, the, the travel related costs of, of the positive, 
yeah, impact well, on it's it. a positive yeah. impact financially on companies right. not not traveling. You can talk about what are the costs. You know, the level of communication that we have internally at Milton Cat, and I'm sure it's true everybody. Our, our communication is through the roof, and yeah. we're much better informed about everything that's going on with the organization. At, you know, as a result of regular meetings, probably too many meetings. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but I think you know one of the one of the benefits of 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 this whole experience i think has been that communication this technology the understanding of the value or maybe the fact that you don't have to travel you you, you, you can you can have people you can have meetings even though not everybody's in the same place you know we never used to do yeah that. nobody ever thought of that right. five right. years ago so um so i think this is incredible positive evolution in terms of communications and technologies that is certainly going to change our business. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't take the place of face-to-face. No question. Right. Meetings and communication. No question. Um, but uh, certainly for things that aren't, that are, I don't want to say this, I guess more mundane business transactional type things that can be taken care of through these through these types of uh, communication devices. Oh well, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I can I can add uh, to that. Uh, certainly, Gib and the whole sales organization. I mean, the transactions that we're doing now electronically that we used to have signed, and, and I'm sure you guys are the same way. There's 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 been this evolution in a lot of the mundane things that we yep. do, but we're very complicated because of COVID, and and now we're so much better off. Well, yeah. We've driven great efficiencies, in my view, and we've developed some best practices because of having to drive ourselves into either the team process, right, or um, electronic signature process on, on sales orders. Um, and even... Even customers having to visit products today or demo products today, you know, we can do live demos uh, yeah. through through technology today where we're showing a customer machine in Milford, Massachusetts, uh, and the customer is in Portage Lake, Maine, yeah. and he has a complete view without any issue at all in comfort of being able to buy that product as opposed to sitting in the sea, driving it, and all these sorts of things. I mean, we have really refined um, what that looks like for that customer today. And so you think about that and say, wow, that's a good best practice. But think about what time we've given back to the customer of yeah. not having to take the travel or right. send your equipment technology. Just the accessibility, the too. This absolutely, accessibility is there. And uh, we've just really, we've got a really sharp team of people. And these these folks have come up with some really good ideas over this pandemic. And it's developed some really good best practices for us. And, and can train uh, it, remote. Train, you know, yeah. we, we, our site tech guys will be on the site, but they won't be in the machine. But they they can see exactly what the operator is doing. It's so, there's a lot of Yeah, so benefits. one of the things you mentioned, people traveling and, you know, the customer giving back the customer some time. And we typically have had superintendent and foreman meetings once a year for about a week in March. And then we kind of send them off and, and they're gone. And uh, so we did our meetings this year virtually. And we I didn't think it would work that well. But to be honest with you, it worked better than, than I think any of us thought it would to the point where we said, uh, should we do these quarterly? And just yeah. just a couple hours. We're going through the same thing. With, with our superintendents. And, uh, you know, the comments we're getting is in the past we'd have these every once in a while. They're very sporadic. 
but we'd have to have them travel from northern, eastern Maine, western New Hampshire, Virginia, uh, Virginia even, right. to come in. And and now we're doing those two or three hour meetings, and and they they can they don't have to be on the road for and they half don't a day and they don't and they don't have to wait a year, and, right? And so you can continually communicate to your employees right. a, a much more pertinent, timely, mm-hmm. timely information. And I can tell you right now, as a communications director, that just makes me super happy. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it does. <laughs> so, uh, looking big, you know, like thirty thousand feet at the heavy equipment industry, looking at the, the demand for it, the market. Uh, what do you guys see in that world? Are we seeing huge demand? Yeah, we're seeing uh, unprecedented demand. I can tell you that our, you know, so we had a record, I think I shared it with you, of volume in 2019. We went backwards 5% last year, which we thought was great considering yeah. the circumstances. Um, our year starts October 1st, so we're into the 10th month. Um, we're up 20%. Wow. I, I'm not used to seeing those kind of those kind of growth numbers, um, and it's really across the board in our organization, machine sales, our whole power systems division, which is an engine-related division. Um, take a lot of different businesses that I think a lot of people don't realize that we're in on, um, and then the product parts and service component. But um, the answer to your question is it's there's really unprecedented demand. Uh, inventory is a, is a real challenge mm-hmm. for us. It's not unique to our business. There's, there's issues. The, it, there's huge issues with bringing product into the ports. There's a lot of logistical issues. Um, and when you got to ship across the Suez Canal, that doesn't help anybody. <laughs> right? Particularly when it's blocked. All right. But uh <laughs> So we we are we are are uh, certainly challenged across the board engines machines parts uh, getting getting inventory out of out of cat um, but we know that's true across the board so we're seeing unprecedented demand and, and a lot of stuff that would you know I think you guys see but one of the things that's that's been a big impact and Kibby has has really been part of it is we see tremendous growth in the rural areas of our territory as people exited the cities in yeah. COVID. Wow, yeah. And we saw, you know, tremendous residential growth. I know, yeah. Um, I know you guys have seen it because I heard something about, like, Mount, the high school on Mount Desert. Uh, the enrollment went up 40%. I did not hear that. And last fall, that's what we had heard, that, that the enrollment for the schools on so, Mount Desert Island was up 40% last year. Oh, well, I, I can tell you, Aroostook County could use that kind of growth. <laughs> yeah, they right? sure it's, could. Uh, yeah. Because I think all of Aroostook County, I think, had, this was a few years ago, had 700 high school seniors. Wow. That's right. Well, and it's true that a lot of people from New York, especially, and yeah. places like that have vacation homes oh, yeah. here up in Maine, and they just moved. Right. They Correct. just moved and lived here. Yep. Correct. And we've, we've seen a lot of that in all of our rural areas. Our small machine market has gone crazy straight through the roof. That industry has stayed really high over the last two years. We had a little dip in the larger iron last year, but this year it's up almost the total industry. This is all manufacturers together. Um, is up nearly forty yeah. percent in our in our patch. Do you um, see this trajectory continuing? You know, nah, with the new I, infrastructure bill and and things that have. No, well, I look. I mean, even I mean, I've shared we the first two weeks in um, in in um, in June we did I did employee discussions similar yeah. to this and um, yeah this I mean the the inventory challenge and the people challenge. 
the finding mm-hmm. qualified labor is, is to me that's even a bigger challenge for us than the inventory challenge and and that's not unique to us it's everywhere but um there's no way for us to sustain the 20% growth if if we were challenged on those two fronts so right. there's always challenges in businesses well, it's I, another so one what i'm afraid of is you're going to raise the price of machines 20% <laughs> And that'll be your growth. <laughs> You'd like yeah, that, but yeah, let's not yeah. do that. Okay. I, 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 <laughs> well, you, you know, it's interesting. You bring up an interesting point on infrastructure. And I, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you folks need to be busy for us to be busy, right? right. And, right. And, and that that really is, that's why it's so important to advocate for our industry, our total industry. And whether it's home building, you know, commercial construction, highway, highway business, um, the infrastructure package is really important. And we're going to need that. Um there's a there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot hanging on that right now and and I think you know if I were to speak to all of your employees out here today I would say you know advocate this is your business this is your life you know um, we are working really hard at Milton Cat to make sure that we're starting we're trying to stay ahead of the curve from an industry standpoint helping all of you customers out there um, to 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 push hard for what we stand for and that's our business that's our industry that's our construction industry. And um, so I, I would really, you know, you, you just need to advocate because, you yes. know, this and, gets and right down to the local levels. We really got to be paying attention to that. And because advocate it, for workers, too. I mean. Well, yeah. And we need workers. We need work. Right. right. And, and th- these things kind of, you know, it, the work outruns the workers on occasion. And then the number of workers outrun, right. outruns the work. Right. And really, if we had predictability along both lines. Uh, long term is what we need, and right. and, and that advocacy, uh, you know, partially at the federal level, but also at the state levels right. that we're working in, is really important. So, uh, what, Chris? What big things are you working on the next, let's say, one to three years? One to three years um, with this whole Milton Rents initiative, which is a rental services initiative um, for for your folks, you know. Cats driving all of us in the U.S. to be in the rental services business, and um, and we took a different tact uh, in the past, which is we went through rental alliances, where you know the beauty of it from our perspective was that we you know we sold we 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 had we had third party customers that we sold to that sort of played in that game, and we didn't, um, and 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 we've done a U turn on that, and so in 2018, I bought a company in New Hampshire called ProQuip. Um, and they're in this rental services business. And basically, I, I think of it as um, what we want to be. It's equivalent to United Rentals, Sunbelt. Right. That, that's who the competition is. And we want to be that supplier to the contractor on the job site. And we get the first call in the morning. That's our vision. And we supply everything and anything that you need for that job site. So it goes way beyond the Catapult product. It's aerial lifts. It's concrete saws. It's safety equipment. And, and so we started growing that out. In 2019, we just opened our first store in Maine in January in Portland. Um, we're opening our seventh facility in Springfield, Mass. in November. But our vision is to have 30 facilities across our six-state um, territory by 2030 and have revenues of $250 million. Um, so we got a long ways to go. Today, we're at, we'll be about $25 million this year with 80 employees um, so we've got a long ways to go, but we've grown really rapidly from 8 million and 30 employees in 2019. 
So, so that's, that's that's a that's a pretty yeah. big deal. That's a big initiative. It's as I, as we were talking before the podcast, really trying to drive a whole digital culture at Milton Cat that can basically absorb technology rapidly. And I I feel that's an important criteria for us in this world of ever changing technology. So so there's on that point there's there's a lot of people I think that are that are listening to this podcast our our employees that may say you know, hey, enough enough of the technology, okay? <laughs> We've got GPS, we're all set, right. enough of the technology. But the reality of it is, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And and we've got to adapt to it. And, and we, have to, we have to be a company that doesn't go five years and then change, like you talked about your, you know, your machines that change. Right. We got to be a company that changes every day. Yes. And... And as long as we, this is us, as long as we respect our values through that process. And do it together. And do it together. And we've established those values, um, you know, so that everybody's treated right through it. So. Yeah. So a lot going on. uh, Yeah. And you want to be on the front end of all this stuff. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing too, when you talk about technology, I mean, listen, we're still a people business, right? Sure. Um, and you look at SiteTech, for example, and see what that technology has done. But think about the efficiencies that it drives within your employee so base. SiteTech is, is your Trimble. Trimble yeah, distribution. Yeah. Trimble. Um, you know, we, we have a modeling company now called TriPoint, which is actually doing modeling. That's done a lot for us over the years um, to help out with our customer base. I don't have that technology mm-hmm. with, or that, that service within their own organization, but when you think about how much more effective you can be by using that technology, by having people that embrace that technology, um, and then look at your bidding and look at how, how tight you can be because the margins are, are, are small on, on bids that you right. guys are working on. And, mm. and, uh, so you're trying to grab every little inch you can as you're bidding these things. But I think probably the biggest challenge that people have is, is they're fearful of technology and, they need to trust. And part of that trust is through leadership, right? I mean, we have to, we have to do a great job at Milton Cat to, to lead our people to understand that, as Chris said earlier, we're not doing this. You're not doing this on your own. You're not doing this alone. We're doing this together, and right. we're going to help you get through this stuff. Right. Well, I think we could sit here and talk all day. I think we could, too. But uh, <laughs> I know you guys have a, have a hard stop, and, and I, Emily's got to get headed out here pretty soon, too. Uh, I really appreciate you guys stopping in and, and, you know, the, I think the, the folks have already, in, by the time they listen to this, they'll have already enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah. Right. Awesome. So this is uh, this has been a lot of fun. And, uh, I just, I just thought it would be a great thing for our folks to, I, uh, well, to hear I, from Kat. I really appreciate Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate the invitation. Um, I was reflecting when you asked me, you know, when I, 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 I circled back to when I, Graduated from Bowdoin, went to work for my dad, and we had just come into Maine, and I know my dad was doing business with your dad, right. so it's a multi-generational thing. Yeah. And I just want to thank um, you know, all the business that Sergeant has given us over the years. Absolutely. It's been, uh, there's been, there's has been, been a few wonderful. tractors pass across. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I would say so, yeah. So hopefully we can get multiple generations uh, you know, doing business together with 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 the Sergeant Corp. I remember, uh, so I had just started. It was 1984, and I was up at Loring Air Force Base, but that – that year we bought, it was like a Noah's Ark purchase. It was two D7s, two D8s, two 966s. I want to say two 988s. 
and we had a fleet of 769s, but uh, there was a big, I remember a big, big investment in CAT equipment at that awesome. time with this company, a couple yeah. D8Ls, those big old. Yeah, right, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, thank you, and I wish you guys all the best and, and a continued partnership with you. Very good. Yeah, thank Thanks, you so guys. Much. Appreciate thank you. It. Thank you. It was a really great interview. It really was. Yeah, I really that, enjoyed it. I, I, we do so much work with Milton Cat, and uh, they're just. I know they. Uh, it would be impossible to list out all the people that, uh, with Milton Cat, that you know really, go way way beyond what uh, normal employees would uh, to get us what we need. And I know Tim Richards, our equipment superintendent, appreciates them. And uh, he works closely with Alan Vigu, our, our sales representative there. So uh, really, uh, really rely heavily on Milton Cat, and uh, glad to have him in the, in the studio here. Okay, we're going to go on to the safety topic, which is working around utilities overhead and underground. Uh, a lot going on. We've got a number of pipe jobs going on, uh, and it, it just we can't pay close enough attention to this. Uh, so when, when it comes to overhead power lines, we're required to stay 10 feet away from those uh, with trucks and equipment. Uh, we need to have signs, tapes, barricades, spotters uh, used in order to help our operators and truck drivers uh, be able to navigate around these uh, overhead lines and also uh, the underground lines. We're going to maintain communication with spotters when we're working around these overhead lines. So the the operators, the drivers have to have to have good eye contact with these spotters uh, or some kind of a two-way radio type situation, but uh, prefer eye contact. And when we're excavating around utilities, we have to notice, notify DigSafe. There's, a, I believe, a 72-hour rule in the utility companies. And we have to make sure we're hand digging when we're within 18 inches of utility line. And there's certain rules around that, the PUC has rules. Uh, if a mark is is on the ground, you have to be really careful when you're when you're digging around those. So it requires hand excavation uh, around those areas. And if we hit a utility line, we must notify the utility company and the PUC using their report and send some pictures. Uh, I, I remember years ago we were doing a project in VZ, and there were some some high tension lines. Uh, above us and we were excavating under them and uh, we weren't that close to these lines but close enough so that it literally arced between those high tension lines and our machine and it knocked out power like an all of old town or no oh, yeah and uh, kind of a scary thing so we want to be careful uh ultra careful when we're around power lines to, to respect them uh, mightily. And if, if, uh, if a line ever comes down, never, ever touch it. I don't care what it is. If you think it's a cable line, just any line that comes down, don't touch it. Yeah, I mean, and I can tell you after going out last week, holy moly, some of these are really tight situations. Yeah, and, and that, I think, you know, we've, we've asked the foreman to do a crew execution look ahead in the afternoon, and we've asked them to involve their operators in it. Uh, to walk ahead the next day or two or three days' work that they're doing, and this is especially important on pipe work, uh, to to begin to get a lay of the land, let the project speak to you, you know, what what kind of things you're going to see, 
uh, this is just so important to take that 10 minutes and, and go down, you know, four or 500 feet and understand what you're coming up into the next few days so that we can begin to mitigate those things. I know the superintendents are great about, uh, about mitigate, you know, working with the utilities and mitigating those hazards. Uh, sometimes we have to hold a pole in place, that sort of thing. So really important, this crew execution look ahead, uh, especially in these pipe jobs, but really on every, every item. So I want to thank Cam for giving me some pointers on, on what to talk about there. I've, I've been <laughs> out there doing it, but I want to make sure I didn't leave anything unsaid. That's a good topic. And that takes us to shout-outs. Woohoo! shout-outs. You're going to get it started? Yeah, well, so yeah. RJ Russell, our shout-out king, gets me something almost every week, has a shout-out to Sean Milligan. He enjoyed seeing you in Bridgeton. He's always had uh, great respect for you, says you're a great team leader. Well, he's he's right about that. He is. Tim LePage has a shout-out for Keith Edgecombe, who got a call this past Saturday, and uh, Tim says, a call every supervisor hates to get. Uh, there's sewer coming out of a manhole by the pump station. Uh, this is over in Perry. And he got he called in Will Fitch and got a pump truck headed to the site. They set up pumps, doing their investigation, found an air hose that was attached to a test ball had come un, undone. And uh, the ladder blocked the other invert. So no sewage went into the house uh, adjacent to it, which was great, but also due to the fast action by Keith and, and Will. So thank you guys for that. Uh, next shout-out is from Zach Sherry. Shout-out to the crew that came in Saturday at Colby College, Derek Trueworthy, Steve Burt, Don Flynn, Robert Kerr. We moved a lot of material. Great work. Well, that's a good crew. Yeah, it is. Sean Newton wants to give a shout-out to Ben Lee and Cal Sally. For doing a great job on the Kingfield project, a lot of traffic control involved every day. Two fine young men and upcoming sergeants. Now that is a busy area that they're working at there, so that's a great shout out. Uh, Chris Plord has a shout out to Rick Clement. Rick is the kind of superintendent that you want to work hard for. You want to show up every day. You want to stay late and get the job done, and it's all because of one reason. He talks to you with respect, and that's all most employees want in return. So thanks, Rick, for being that guy. Well, that's a great one. Yeah, it is. If you're a superintendent, you like to hear that. Joe Frazier gives a shout-out to Arthur Herbest, not only looking for safety in the field, but always checks in with me about my military career and mentors me through the new stage I am in there. He really cares about all our employees, not just work outside, but out, not just work, but outside as well. Is really what the company needed when we hired him. I agree, because I hired him. <laughs> Smart move. I went and found him. <laughs> The next shout-out is from Ken Thurlow. Shout-out to all the foremen who stepped up to run a And Herb. And, oh, sorry. And Herb. Shout-out to all the foremen <laughs> and Herb who stepped up to run equipment to keep things rolling where we are so short-handed. He, he doesn't really say and Herb. He does I just thought I'd throw that But uh, you did hop in there and, and yeah, take for over for a little bit. About 10 minutes, yeah. <laughs> and, and they were afraid they wouldn't meet the production goals, and they got me out of there. R.J. Russell with another shout-out to Ozzy at Booth Bay. Outstanding job managing the pit operations. Also for making my delivery a fun one. Uh, oh, he had two shout-outs this week. I don't even know how I missed that. So then uh, Chris Wilson has a shout-out to his wife going on 10 years at Sargent. On the road Sunday night, home Friday night, sometimes not home at all on weekends. Without her support and love, he wouldn't be able to be a Sergeant. Best wife and best mom. That's a great one, and it's a good opportunity for us to – to reflect on all the support 
that all the spouses, both husbands and wives, give uh, give our employee owners, and it's it's something sometimes we may take for granted. It may seem like we take for granted, but I can tell you that you know from my point of view, uh, the the support we get from the spouses of our employees is really incredible. You know, and I, I, really, I appreciate it. I really should have a wife episode. I mean, I sat and talked to Pam Wright for forever a couple of weeks ago. And man, did she have some stories too. Uh, I got an idea. She probably does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is for right now, the last week for the Newton Grindle award. Oh boy. Or should say the last week of cornhole boards and, and firings. Okay. Um, until I decide we're going to do it again. Sounds good. But I, what I would like to think is these shout outs come in because they're great shout outs and, and I think these all are. I think these are all uh, perfect shout-outs and, and heartfelt. Uh, so I just want to keep them coming in. I don't want to think that I'm bribing people to make them. Yeah. We, so, love, we love hearing these shout-outs. Yeah. With that said, for the Newton Grindle Award, another twist this week. Oh, boy. Always have a twist. <laughs> and that is because Chris Plourd has already run won the, uh, the cornhole board in the fire ring. Oh, right. He did, and, yes. But I did choose his shout-out of, of Rick. I think that's a great one. I love that. Um, just, you know, recognizing Rick as, as the kind of leader that uh, you really want to be recognized as. I met Rick in person for the first time last week and um, kind of met him and saw him working around the crew. And, man, you could tell immediately that his crew just loves him. Yeah, well, he's done everything. Yeah, I mean, he, he was an operator here years ago. He was a foreman for many years. And two or three years ago, stepped into the super, superintendent role. And uh, so he knows what it's like to be in all those various positions. And don't worry, he's already promised me a podcast, so we'll get him up Has he? Soon. All right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Rick gets the, the uh, cornhole boards and the uh, firing for the Newton Grinnell Award this week. All right. Way to go, Rick. So, uh, you know, typically would give both sides. Right. But because Chris already got one, we're going to... Just thank Chris for that great shout out. So let's give them some applause. Yeah, absolutely. So the price is right. Price of a, I had to write this out like four times because it's so long. Four-way, 10-foot, half-inch cable with a hook loop on the opposite end. Is that right? Close. Hook on the opposite end. With a, with a loop on one end and hooks on, so they're all looped together on one end. <laughs> and then there's hooks on the other end. We'll show uh, you one of these someday. Okay. I okay. think everybody knew what we were talking about. Yeah, I think everybody did. So we've got, wow, we got must have 20 guesses here. Everybody wants to get in on the uh, four-way... 10-foot cable here. Uh, There's a range of guesses here. Yeah. So Craig Kreider guessed $240.84. Josh Taylor guessed $2,000 even. The price of the four-way 10-foot cable, half-inch cable, is? $246.84. So there was only one guess below that, and that was Craig Kreider, six dollars off, 
at $240.84. What a great guess. And the next one was Ben Watson at $255. So he was only off nine bucks. Those are some good guesses. So there we go. Craig Kreider with a $50 gift card to Amazon or the company store or. Or Visa gift card to use for whatever you want. Use it for whatever you want. All right. So what do we want to know the price of next week, Herb? We want to know the price of a two inch by 12 foot nylon sling. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. So two inch by 12 foot nylon sling. I don't know what that is, but uh, cool. We got to get you in the field a little bit more. I am in the field, but I don't see all. Well, so those when you things. go out there, just say you ask one of the foremen, "What's a what? Show me a sling." Oh, that's true. Yeah, and they'll show you one. That's true. Okay, so we do have a question for you this week, man. You guys, I, I, I'm not getting as many questions as I was before, so this is just a. Well, um, I think everybody's getting worn out from my <laughs> rambling on. <laughs> I think I just. So we've got to. We're gonna switch it up on you next week. We'll explain that in a minute. Let's get. Herb, I'm going to give you your question first. So the question was, if you could travel anywhere, where would it be? Oh, if I could travel anywhere, Mason's and Brewer. Oh, my goodness. Oh, okay. Lame. So um, if I had a chance to travel, I would I would probably go see the giant redwood trees in California. Oh, really? Yep. You just want your picture in front of something that tall, right? Well, I would be... I'd be very small in front of one of those, but I would I would like to go and see those massive, massive trees. Uh, you know, there's some famous pictures of literally tr- some of those trees with tunnels cut through them so cars can drive through. It's incredible. Um, so I, I don't know why you'd want to hurt a tree like that, but not that I'm a tree hugger, but, <laughs> you know, just make the road go around that awesome tree would be just as easy, but... It wouldn't make for very good postcards. That's true. So I think that's what I'd like to do. Okay. Well, maybe you'll get there one day. Maybe. I behave. (laughs) Announcements. Well, first, I just want to let everyone know we've got a twist up next week for questions for Herb. Instead of questions for Herb, we're going to have questions for Tasha and Eric. Tasha and Eric are going to be on the podcast with us next week. And so we wanted to offer you guys an opportunity to ask Tasha and Eric some questions. So get them in here. Um, at, as many as we can fit in, we'll fit in. Yeah, we've been busy with the podcast with a lot of different guests. And uh, I, I think it's great for Tasha and Eric to to uh, give their perspective on the company. And it's kind of a mid-year checkup. Mid-season. I mean, we're really cranking on some stuff. So it'll be good to hear from the two of them for sure. So questions for Tasha and Eric next week. We'll yep. uh, we'll have them on and look forward to that. For sure. And get those questions in, please. Yes, please. Text them right to me. I Actually, that's this is a good point to make because I had someone out at a site ask me the other day, how do I send you my shout outs, prices right, those sorts of things. So including your questions, you can text them all directly back to that same text number. If you text it right back, I will I get all of them and I compile them all together. So just okay. shoot a text right back to me. Very good. Uh, so then uh, just an announcement, uh, a reminder that ESOP distribution election packets have been mailed out. Um, that election window runs until August 16th. It's running since the 6th, 16th of this month to the 16th of next month. So August. Yeah, of August. So, so make sure that um, if you're... 
uh, anyone who's eligible to elect an ESOP distribution, you have to get that information returned to uh, to our principal, to, to HR. Yep, to Amy. To Amy. Primarily Amy. Amy Soames. That's A-S-O-M as in Michael, E-S at sergeant.us. That's the one. Okay. Um, and I just wanted to send in a reminder, too, um, don't forget to send us your uh, pictures of you guys out doing stuff. You know, I'm friends with a lot of you on Facebook now, so I see a lot of you going out and doing fun stuff. Um, you know, we like to include those in our newsletter for our wellness section. Um, you and your families out doing stuff. Um, make sure you send those in. You can put them on the employee page or you can send them in directly to me. Um, I know the past couple of times I've reached out and just asked a couple of people if we could use their photos that I've seen on their Facebook pages. But um, it really is helpful if, if they're sent in to me. Yeah. So let's get those in. With that said, I'm going to ask the same question that I asked last week because it's something I really want us to focus on is who are you mentoring now? And as I said last week, if it, if you took five seconds and you couldn't answer the question, then we probably need to be a little bit more deliberate and intentional about about picking someone to, to help along. And uh, they will appreciate that, and you'll get more out of it than they will, I promise you. Uh, on that note, I you know, the Chris's shout-out to his wife, again, reminds me of, of how much sacrifice families make for us. And one of the reasons we work so hard to, to make sure that, uh, you know, you get everything you can get back from a construction company. Uh, we work hard to, to make sure that our benefits are in pay and working conditions and opportunities are as, as good as there are out there. So uh, I guess that's a long way of saying thank you to, to really to all our crew and, and you know, the families that do make sacrifices. Uh, it just mystifies me about every month, you know, like, I, I see the numbers more than I see the actual work anymore, uh, but it mystifies me what we get done, all the work we get done um, across, you know, right now three states for the most part. And uh, those folks in Virginia are, are kicking it, New Hampshire kicking it, Maine kicking it. And uh, I just want to say again a heartfelt thanks for that right before I say zero experts.